Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right. Good morning. Welcome aboard. Scott Mosby, KMOX. Three wonderful days of Christmas behind us or how many more ahead of us? <laughs> it's a secret. Uh, we have indeed 10 phone lines and this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby with a guest, Josh Dunlap with me again this week. And we are live and lively. Two hours of home improvement, questions and answers. It's all up to you. Any way you'd like to play this, I have 10 phone lines just for you. 314-436-7900. 436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. So much to talk about the holidays upon us, whether or not there's enough room for all of the goodies you put in the refrigerator or maybe that second refrigerator in the garage. Oh, you know, where do you put the roast, the turkey, and all the goodies? Yeah, well, well, or on the other end when the guests come over, how about that powder room? The guest bath. Oh, oh, it isn't? Oh, well, we'll talk about that and more. Joshua Dunlap, good morning. Welcome and thanks for joining. Good morning. Good how, to be here. How are you this fine Saturday? I am great. Fantastic. You uh, festivities at the Dunlap household. Uh, the kids, uh, anything exciting? Are they dressed in red, ready for Santa? Oh, the advent calendars are in full swing. The tree's decorated. The lights are up. Yeah, they're getting, everyone's getting excited. Wow. Wow. You're ahead of me. <laughs> I, I'm in denial. I, I, you know, I'm the guy that kind of slides into uh, Christmas in the last moment. Uh, not really. I, 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 Christmas, some of my shopping and all I'll do, you know, six months and four months ahead of time. And then I forget about it and realize, oh, now what have I? Oh, yeah, I got that covered. So I never know. Well, good morning. Uh, yeah, good morning. I, I was sneaking in some Christmas shopping on my way in. So Did you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Very it's, good. It's, it's a madhouse out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, traffic has become a little more um, intense Intenses, over the few days. Yeah, I'd say so. Brentwood Promenade, that whole area is a bit uh, congested, uh, even this time of day. But uh, I, think, I think everyone had the same idea I had of getting getting some time in there to get some last-minute Christmas shopping in. I, I understand that today, for actually being retail, being out and about, today is the second largest shopping day in the year or busy day, I think, right after, you know, Black Friday or whatever. Given the state of the parking lots as, as I was driving through various neighborhoods, that seems to be bearing out. I, I would guess we've got a lot of listeners as well out there uh, running about and doing some last-minute shopping, running to the grocery store, all the things that I've done for the past five days over the week. My gosh, I never knew I was so busy just doing a little bit of this, you know, battery in the watch and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It takes up time. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, will you stick with me here today? You bet. Right on. Two hours today. Josh Dunlap, Mosby Building Arts. Scott Mosby here, KMOX Home Improvement Show. We are at your service. Again, 10 phone lines, 314-436-7900. I promise, 436-7900. Toll free, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. We can talk about automating the home. Yeah, all those Wi-Fi gadgets, you know, the Internet of Things, the smart home, those sorts of things, getting ready for the holidays, whether your home is prepared for entertaining, whether you are comfortable being entertained at uh, uh, the host's home somewhere around the area, uh, whether or not you're comfortable with having 
the Wi-Fi connected to all the gadgets in your home, the Internet of Things. How about an LCD or LED screen on the face of your refrigerator, something Samsung has out and is now part of the world? Wi-Fi, Internets, Nest, Ring, all of those happening. Also, the awareness that, uh, you know, security is important. We can talk about that and how that affects what Josh and I do on a daily basis of truly making the house work for the people that live in the homes. You know, for so long, we, you know, make the payments, we pay the insurance, we pay the utility bills, keep the lights going, all that kind of stuff. But is it time now for the house to kind of, you know, pay us back, maybe support us a little bit, help me with uh, make life just a little bit easier? 314-436-7900, toll free, 800-925-1120. Also, just uh, re-guide you to the callmosby.com website uh, where Josh and I spend our daytime hours, if you will. That's our day job. Uh, Hang out here on the radio with you know, 50,000 of our favorite friends, you know, yeah, the shape of things to come. We are, you call it the internet of Wi-Fi or the, you know, internet of things. It is the radio of things. We've been coming to you for a better part of uh, almost 100 years now on KMOX. So we can talk about that and more. Let's get right to our phones, get fired up and see what's cooking here and uh, talk with Sterling. Hey, Sterling, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can Josh and Scott help you? Good morning. I have a uh, about a 2,000-square-foot home, and my attic has that just the, the pink uh, fiberglass, you know, loose uh, fill between the joists. And through the years and through, uh, you know, remodeling, various remodeling projects and so forth, uh, there it's settled, and there's areas where there's just, you know, maybe only two or three inches in there. I was wondering if if you could kind of give me a rundown on what my my choices are for uh, insulation to remedy that. Well, uh, Sterling, before you get fired up here, uh, number one, uh, and this is why I've invited Josh to be part of all this, is air leakage, or he and I would call it air infiltration. So before you start blowing something on top of this thing, which is the right thing to do, you have a wonderful opportunity courtesy of inaction and settled insulation over the last half century or so uh, to seal up around every hole in the ceiling between the attic and the house. Um, It'll never be easier than now, and there are a lot of different ways to go about it. But as you go around and interview insulation contractors or consider doing this yourself, Number one, block any air leakage, any air path where air from the basement around your plumbing stacks, around your wires coming out from the wall plates, um, on the uh, exterior walls especially, uh, um, just uh, even around the light fixtures and boxes themselves. If you don't have recessed lights, just the little probably metal box in your case could be blue plastic or something like that. Make sure you block those uh, holes because if there's a fire on the main floor of the house, it will quickly spread up to the attic. Uh, and then once it's in the attic, it can go every place and it spreads very quickly. So just from a fire safety point of view, that's a big deal. Uh, and then, you know, as far as, you know, just comfort, convenience, indoor air quality, all that stuff. Uh, likewise, you fire up a forced air furnace 
And most of those forced air furnaces, my house included, it's underserved with the return air. So it's drawing a vacuum or a negative pressure in the house, which means it's sucking air from your attic through that insulation and everything up in your attic is coming into the house, including the insulation, the dust, the moisture, the bugs and everything else. So keep that in mind as well. All right, Josh, I took a big deep breath there. Maybe you can help me with the insulation a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And everything said it is is spot on. Uh, Getting the air sealing uh, well under control is the first and I would say most critical step of insulation. But uh, when it comes to the insulation, uh, I'm assuming when you say pink, uh, it looks kind of like a a sheep's back kind of thing and not necessarily rolled out. Uh, But either way, if you have bad insulation, which is the rolled out stuff, or the uh, blown in, which which is, is really kind of like fluffy or supposed to be fluffy, uh, you can install just about anything you like over to, over the top of that blown in wise. Uh, most folks go back with a, a blown in fiberglass just like it was there, but get it to a depth of around 16 to 18 inches, and that's kind of like a rule of thumb, and that's going to get you close to like an R30 or an R38, which is kind of a good uh, depth for this this area. Uh, you can also blow cellulose on top of that without any trouble. Uh, but when you blow in insulation, one of the things you want to pay close attention to is your eaves. Because as that insulation heads heads out there, you don't want to block up your eaves because that can cause ice damming. So uh, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt, but uh, you can get up in there and get some insulation baffles preformed, sometimes out of cardboard or polystyrene. Get those tucked into the soffits. Make sure you, know, you keep that air passage right near that roof deck and then blow, blow in there all the insulation you, you feel you need. All right. Sounds like what you guys are telling me is that just like painting, preparation is, is the key here. Always. Just like school. If you if you study for the test, the test is easy. If you don't study for the test, by golly, that process just punishes you, th- not even past, not even in the test, but months later. So, Just, just heating-wise, am I going to realize a lot of benefit for heating and cooling? Oh yeah, the, yeah. Because the uh, the insulation has settled to such a degree, you virtually have very little slash almost no insulation there. So in percentage improvements, you're going to have a 100 to 200 to 300 percent. Because if it's settled to two inches and you wind up with eight or ten, you know you're you have the low hanging fruit ahead of you. Now you're not going to cut your energy bill by 100, 200, three. You know the, I don't mean to mislead you there. But keep yeah. in mind, you you have some huge uh, benefits, but uh, please block that air first, even if you have to, have to get up there and do it yourself. It's pretty low-tech, uh, caulk, uh, even drywall mud, that sort of thing. Um, Josh and I have spent, you know, times just building boxes, putting over the top of some of these um, outlets, you know, trying to keep the heat gain away from those recessed cans. So fire is an important thing on keeping the insulation away from those light fixtures. So uh, that should be part of the conversation with your insulation contractor as well. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the call, Josh. Yeah, thanks. thanks for the lead. All right, Home Improvement, uh, Camowax, Sterling first up. It is the Camowax Home Improvement Show. The Helitech is the sponsor. Josh Dunlap here today. Uh, Try and keep my bacon out of the fire. And Scott Mosby, as usual, at your service here on Camowax. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on Camowax. 
Oh, yeah. Home improvement, Scott Mosby. Indeed, it is KMOX. We have another hour and a half ahead of us. Phone lines wide open. I know you've been waiting. You're out there running around, but I've been saving that question for that KMOX guy. See what Scott knows. 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120 is the toll-free number anywhere on the globe. If you want a report of where Santa is, I understand that uh, the sleigh is in for service this year, and it's uh, it's right up to, it's going to be touch and go. And anyway, they're uh, doing a little bit of work uh, or some, some refit on some uh, Internet of Things for the sleigh. I, I, don't ask me the details of it. I, you know, I'm kind of a big picture sort of guy. So I, that's what I know. Mrs. Claus is uh, busy doing her thing and Santa is ready with the elves in the workshop. So much going on. But you can call 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. Josh, on the Internet of Things and how um, automation, uh, you and I have been involved in some projects over the last 10, 15 years that get, you know, really into some big, deep home automation. And it was the early years. They get very costly. Some of them can be difficult to operate. In the last three or four years, that has uh, the system functionality and uh, the intuitive nature, kind of like, uh, you know, what you see is what you get, uh, becomes uh, overly uh, simplified recently. So it's it's getting more functional where a guy like me, I can understand this stuff is kind of what I mean. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I've, I've been paying pretty close attention to home automation since uh, when I was building new homes in Kansas City uh, in the late 90s. And uh, the... Back then, it was running wires, miles and miles of cables and wires. Everything had to have a wire to it going down to a, a big, complicated box in the basement. We, those times you are pretty much past us. And now if you, if you can't control it on your phone, it's pretty much a non-starter kind of thing. And that's really where I think the integration is, is, is hinging upon getting it in your palm of your hand in a device that you're already using. And that's what we're seeing a lot of the like the ring goes right to your phone. You can get your washer and dryer, send you text messages, let you know they're done. Um, and it's and that's that's kind of the, the state of the art right now. I, I find that interesting that, uh, you know, if that automation come out can come out and reach to me through the system to do to join me in my world, then that's functionality. And that's what I've been watching in the last few years. And, uh, you know, enjoying, you know, the remote cameras or the Wi-Fi connection of thermostats, uh, automatic locking and unlocking of doors. And, you know, by golly, you've got to have those uh, firewalls and, and issues to keep the bad guys from walking in and out of your home. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's definitely, it's all, there's a lot of variables to keep track of. Uh, but uh, with the right team and the right game plan, you can work, you work it all out and get the get the programming in place to make sure that you're secure and functional. Yeah, and, and as as far as design builders at, at at Mosby Building Arts, that's kind of what we do. It is. We don't necessarily wire the house. We don't install the automate. But by golly, if something doesn't work, we get the phone call. So we're involved in that uh, meshing in and the conversation. But it, you know, it's it's a very uh, intimate sort of thing. So the homeowner really needs to be part of that conversation. Oh, definitely. And I've, I've said it uh, here a couple times already. It's it's about finding the right solution, and you know everyone's everyone's needs are different, and and everyone's uh, comfort level with technology is different. And 
you know, you can find a solution that works for you for your comfort level, and it's just a matter of getting the right pieces in the right place and making sure everything plays well together. Yeah, yeah. And it, people ask me, do I really need you involved, you know, in the Mosby design team? Do I really need you involved in that? And the answer to that is uh, if you don't, you know, three months from now, you really, you'll be asking me why it doesn't work. So at least, and it's pretty much why we at Mosby do design build. We want to be part of that conversation up front to where it can work and we can design in the functionality and the luxuries. You know, how, how many of you know you can have an electrical outlet inside your uh, bathroom vanity for plugging in the blow dryer and a ring on the door that hangs the blow dryer on a metal ring to where even a hot blow dryer can, you know, go back right there and stow the wires and all of that. And it's always there where, you know, little things like that uh, pop out or conveniently located outlets that are not up around the countertop, leaving stuff out all the time. Um, personally, we put uh, recess uh, electrical outlets in closets all the time for uh, cordless shavers. You know, you can change, and now toothbrushes and all those sorts of things. So if you don't know, you can't make it happen. But by golly, the little luxuries, it doesn't really cost anymore. It's just design and detail. Uh, and when you miss it, then you miss it. But, you know, it, it's, uh, it's cheap to put in on the front end. Of course, it never feels like that. And it's really expensive to go back and put it in retrofit after the bathroom or kitchen's been done. Oh, definitely. So uh, with the, with the, uh, Ubiquity of the USB form factor, we're seeing you know, it, it receptacles that have USB ports built into them. So you can cull the herd of the little little vampires that are all over your everyone's kitchen counter for charging, you know, six phones, five tablets, and, and all the other kind of devices that you got. Now you can get a block that comes out of the wall, and, and, it's, and all your USB stuff is charging right there, and it really cleans things up. But uh, with a little bit of planning, and, and the, the, the closet is a great example of, you know, Put a couple chargers in there or, or receptacles in there with the USB functionality, and then you don't have to worry about, you know, finding that adapter and finding the right cord and all that. It's all right there in the wall ready to go for you. Oh, the stuff I have in my life. Uh, you know, I'm a golfer, you know, so I've got a golf watch that tells me how far I am from the – where do you put that <laughs> that I don't forget it? You know, well, it needs to be out, but, away. you know, I don't really want to look at that, especially in the winter for what I don't – Get to wear that thing for months on end, but you know it still needs to be charged. All that, oh yeah, USB stuff. Yeah, we got our our uh, Fitbits and and uh, Apple watches, and they all need to get a charge. They all need to go get charged somewhere. So yeah, clean up that dresser and get some USB hubs and get all that stuff straightened out. Yeah, you want to go back to the phones here, Josh? Sure. Let's see if we fire up somebody. See if our William friend here, Bill. Hey, Bill, Scott Mosby, Josh Dunlap. How can we help you, my friend? Yeah, Scott. Uh, uh, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Uh, of course, I'm had been a contractor for a number of years, mm -hmm. uh, but I got out of that. But I still do all, everything at my house, and I had remodeled my my bathroom last year, gutted it, and redid, and all it's got all new plumbing. But even before I did that, uh, we've been having a problem when you go to flush the toilet uh, about three or four times after you flush it. Well, then we get this gurgling. Uh, sound in our bathroom uh, or in the bathroom tub where it'll just kind of uh, gurgle. It's like the, you know, it's it's sucking the air out of the P-trap and it, it just kind of burps and everything. Um, and then after I remodel, of course, it's all new plumbing in there and, and uh, it still does that about probably uh, seven or eight times you flush the toilet. 
Uh, it's got me stumped. Uh, I, I can usually figure things out, but this has got me stumped. Uh, Bill, this is a little bit of the courtesy of the new uh, flushing toilets uh, by going to 1.6 gallon from 3.5. The toilet actually flushes and causes a more um, energetic uh, void of the bowl. And in doing so, more water goes into that waste pipe quickly. So it draws more of a vacuum. And this is getting where I'm going is this is getting into the vents of the toilet. And I'm going to get pretty granular on here on your plumbing because I learned this the hard way as well. Uh, it's been probably eight years when they first went to those toilets. Or Anyway, the why, where, where the toilet drops into that stack, uh, typically there's a why. And then right near wherever that uh, tub is, there, there'll be another Y. Does that offset by a good two and a half feet um, to where you don't have, a, a, you know, a double Y where that the vacuum or suction going, water going down from the toilet, uh, if it's right near the, the wire, the drain connection for that tub, it by golly will draw through that toilet or through the tub uh, drain uh, before it can get the air from the makeup on the stack. Uh, so it's, it's really on how or where exactly that Y or double Y is or isn't. You following me so far? No. Yeah, that, uh, the, the stack actually uh, is, is a ways from uh, the air stack is a ways from where the, uh, uh, from where the toilet is. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, that air stack, the, basically the dynamics or the physics of where that makeup air comes from to put air behind that slug of water from the toilet, uh, it is choosing a path of least resistance. So it's trying to suck a vacuum on the drain pipe of that tub waste before it can uh -huh. get the air from the stack. Have you checked the stack to make sure everything through the roof is all clear? No bird's nest, no goodies or, you know, critters. Yeah, it's all clear. Yeah, then. Yeah, it's all clear. This is, then this is the alignment uh, because here, here they changed the, the plumbing code uh, four or five years ago and, and it, it was all fine because the first time we had this problem, we were literally pulling the water out of the adjacent bathroom. You flush the toilet and you especially get one of those, you know, pressure assist toilets. You know, that jet engine sound, it was literally right. sucking the water right out of toilet number two because of the way the stack was plumbed. So then the building and the plumbing code was like, everything's cool, everything's fine, nothing's out. Of, and then you strip down to the, you finally get to the Kohler engineers, you know, seven layers deep into the asking the questions. And they're like, no, you've got to replumb your stack. This toilet will drain your other P-traps nearby. Like, whoa. Uh -huh. So I, it's all in replay. Has that stack been replaced in your bathroom uh, remodel? Uh, no, the uh, I mean it's it's still like brand new. I mean it's. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm just wondering if I need to add a add a. Well, of course it's kind of, it, it'd be uh, wouldn't be feasible to add a a, a stack by the. Uh, this it's probably uh, uh, several feet from the uh, the stack. Where yeah. the air goes up. Yeah, I will tell you that your plumbing that was suitable 10 years ago, and all those pipes may look just fine, that's the source. Is uh, your the, the physics of that waste piping is different because of the velocity of these new um, low-gallon flush toilets. Okay. 
So you suggest uh, what replacing the stack or? Yeah, I would I would bring a plumber in and and uh, ask this of a plumber, but they've got to be looking at this thing because by golly, you know we do a thing called a right bath, which is like a four or five day gut bath remodel thing, and you know now all we can get are one point six one point <laughs> gallon toilet flushes, and you know so we've caused problems. We go and put a brand new bathroom, do everything right, don't change the stack. Lo and behold, we've got you know um, issues in the other adjacent bat that's how we learn so now another reason we're too expensive is because we have to do it right and replumb a stack for example in your home that's in great shape but if we don't mm-hmm. you know we're sucking p-traps dry <laughs> within five all right so all right mr mosley thank you so much there you go william uh, you're learning the same way i did you know it's like hitting your thumb with a hammer three or four times sometimes it takes that fifth time to say you know i need to change something here so I, i'm a little dense but i get there eventually <laughs> that's me too all right okay thanks so much you bet good holidays good to you brother all right uh, bye. you too bye-bye bye now and that's just one of those things that uh you know who in the world the plumbing was good five years ago we changed the technology of some toilets don't even get the jet engine pressure assist and now the plumbing's wrong oh you're right but the plumbing code says it's okay well, the plumbing, you mentioned the plumbing code. I mean, one of the, the the most subtle changes that I've noticed over the years is you used to have inch and a quarter and inch and a half vents coming off of all your fixtures, and now it's mandated two inches is the minimum. So it gets so, bigger gulps of air. Bigger gulps of air. You're, you're yeah. dealing with subtle volume, volumetric differences in the pipes, and, that's, and, and something as subtle as that can have a dramatic impact on the performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, before you remodeled my bathroom, everything worked fine. Now you put in better, cooler stuff, brand new. It looks great. And now I have a problem. Like, have that conversation with a homeowner. It's like, oh, yeah, it's all okay. The plumbing code says it's okay. I don't care if it's okay. It doesn't work. You know, so we replumbed a lot of houses over the years. Yeah. But, you know, that's where the reputation comes from and why we stand. And it's like, oops, yep. So this is why we like being involved in the design of things up front because we get the opportunity to have that conversation. I'm sorry we're going to replace your stack because, you know, the current technology of the toilet systems. Yeah, anyway, right, and that's why we're here on CamoX to share this with you. You get to know. Anyway, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Josh Dunlap, Scott Mosby, I promise we are really at your service here on CamoX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. I'm out on parole now. Things are feeling better. All those charges were never uh, stuck, but uh, what can I say? You know, it's the holiday season, so they let me out. Santa and I have been out hooting and hollering just a little too much. Uh, 314-436-7900 on the phone lines, 800-925-1120. Don't tell anybody I'm really not out on parole. They just have the band around my leg. All right, let's go see what my friend here says with Dan. Hey, Dan, Scott Mosby, Josh Dunlap, how can we help you, my friend? Hey, Scott, first of all, thanks for your service. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, I was in a house yesterday, new construction, in the master bathroom, a pretty large walk-in shower or enclosed shower. It had two sides that were uh, floor-to-ceiling glass, and then two walls that are tile, plus the ceiling was tile as well. Mm -hmm. However, when you 
operate the, the shower, you close the door, there's no ventilation in that box, which is created when the door is closed. Mm-hmm. There's two light fixtures, ceiling light fixtures. There's a um, ceiling-mounted kind of waterfall-type shower head, but there's no ventilation in there. That, that doesn't look right to me, and I was calling to see what your thoughts were. This is new construction. Obviously, it looks brand new. looks fabulous. But is that going to create a problem in a year or two? Uh, it, on drying the shower, it will indeed. Uh, now, keep in mind, does it have a steam generator? Because you're describing the perfectly uh, built uh, steam shower. I, I agree, but it does not have a steam function. Okay. Well, uh, number one, a steam shower, the difference is uh, the walls have to be insulated. You just, on an exterior wall, with the insulation and all the rest, you just can't stick tile on the cement board and do it in regular ways. You need to insulate with a full foam covering because otherwise that water just condenses on that cold wall. The steam does. So that's one thing. Likewise, if you're on an exterior wall on an unvented shower like that, the issue is you can leave the shower door open, but you almost have to run a fan. Uh, sometimes the steam showers will have a bit like an awning moving panel at the top of the shower or something like that. But uh, it is acceptable uh, by having all of that tiled in. Um, that is, is similar to a steam shower. It, it may be not built that way. But the issue is, uh, rightly identified by you, is man, that water's going to sit in there for a long time with a chance to grow mold. So you bet on a, a shower like that, I would have a squeegee in there so that whoever was finished, and you, you got to squeegee the ceiling too, all that high glass, the high walls, right. um, because you've got to get as much moisture out of that shower as possible and then probably do some sort of a, um, a fan or some heavy circulation for air to go in that shower box and come back out that same door. So uh, exactly what you think is happening will happen. It puts a lot of responsibility on the homeowner. Sometimes some post-shower sprays to like a mildicide, uh, squeegees, fans, all of that. Uh, and also keep in mind, there are a lot of buildings, uh, houses especially, that are built to sell and don't live so well. So beware. I, I, you walk in, you see these grand foyers. And they're stunning. And they, you know, you walk in, it's like, I love it. Let's buy it. Well, you know, a few years later, you're wondering, you know, where did the coats go? They, they have a tiny little, you know, coat. So, I mean, it's how you allocate that space and how the space is built and designed and anticipated. So being a really wow effect on any kind of a project, you really have to think through how does this really live, one of which being what you've identified on that shower. Once again, I appreciate it. I, I'll, I'll check into that insulation. I never thought that there is one wall on the outside of the house or the exterior wall, and obviously I can't see what's inside of that. Yeah, but I, I will. I will consider that. Thanks for your time. Sure, Dan. It's not a. It's not a real problem with just a regular shower. However, if as a steam shower, and people call us, I'm like, well, you just want to add a steam generator to that shower. Well, you can't get enough steam because those huge two, one or two exterior walls just suck the steam right out of the air and turn the steam back into water if you don't have them built right, you know, truly insulated, a real insulated box, and then tiled on top of that. So Got it. All right. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Dan. Merry Christmas to you, too. Take okay. care. Goodbye. Josh, any thoughts on that shower? Uh, any? Did I miss anything? or Well, how many things did I miss? Let's put it that way. I, yeah. No, it, uh, 
every shower is is kind of custom tailored to a particular uh, client's needs. And in our case, when we do remodeling, uh, new home builders they're kind of trying to take a shot in the dark as to what's going to have appeal. And you know, some builders out there are doing a little bit better than others in terms of trying to anticipate what the the balance between aesthetics and, and maintenance. Yeah. But uh, master bathrooms, any bathroom for that matter, is always a maintenance proposition. Uh, regardless of the finishes you have, if you've got tile and glass and all that, it does require you to be mindful of the moisture. And, you know, the thought might be where you take a nice hot shower, everything's enclosed in there, stays within that space. And then once you open the door, you get that fan on, get that air moving, you run that squeegee down there, and that's what's going to help keep your all your services in good shape and keep that moisture from penetrating and, and causing a problem. Yeah, yeah. So what Dan was afraid of, you know, he's got that pretty well pegged, in my opinion. He had his eyes wide open, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see if we can sneak down and talk to Larry. Hey, Larry, uh, Josh and Scott here. How can we help you, my friend? Oh, I hope my question's easier than the last two. <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh and I are just windy today with the coffee, that's all. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any P-traps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they, they, the house next door to me was sold. Mm-hmm. The surveyor marked off the property like they usually do, but I don't ever remember seeing done what this guy did. There are three marks where the two properties come together. The mark in the center has a, a, a stake with a flag on it, and then about a foot on each side of that, he sprayed spray-painted marks on the lawn. What's he trying to tell me? Uh, sometimes it's just uh, drawing more attention to a stake. Uh, is sometimes you can have uh, property corners to where this marks the beginning of an easement. Uh, it could also indicate that it is a property corner. I've seen actually three marks where like hash, hash, straight ahead, parallel through that stake, and a third one depicting that it's literally on the intersection between those two properties and the rear property line because you can have a surveyor stake midway between the front and the back where it really doesn't mark a corner. So it, it may be that the surveyor, number one, is trying to draw more attention to it where it can be found a week, month later, whenever closing might be. And number two, it may also indicate a corner. Josh, do you have any uh, experience on those uh, multi-sprays? I've seen, uh, I've seen some surveyors even make notes to themselves when they're marking those. They'll step back a little bit and and make a mark and sometimes they're making like an angular adjustment of if they're using a transit and that kind of stuff of you know this to this point and this to this point is so many degrees or whatever yeah uh it's just it, it can vary um certain standards usually you'll see like mostly regarding the colors uh that way you know who's paying attention to what particular thing but uh uh it, i I'd have to look at it myself to kind of get an idea of, of what they might be pertaining to. Yeah, Larry, don't worry about it. It's It could be just notes to the next guy coming through on the survey crew. You know, you never know. Good for them. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the last time the property was sold, the surveyor came out with a metal detector. Oh, yeah. And he, and he went around where he figured the two properties came together, and the metal detector... He found the metal stake the last guy had put in. Mm-hmm. And all he had to do was put a flag right there next to that metal stake. He was all done. Well, here's another one. I, I've seen, um, man, it almost looked like chicken scratch. You want to see a, a survey-happy spray guy. Um, if the first stake is wrong, now with global positioning systems, GPS, 
these surveyors are getting these corners to the gnat's eyebrow, like down to the eighth of an inch, whereas, you know, a few years ago, those guys could be eight inches off on the survey because of the math and the calculations, the angles and long lines, you know. Yeah, so, sure. So I've seen, you know, some real chicken scratch in spray form where, you know, they're basically saying, no, that old stake that used to be here wasn't right. So it, it, I've seen some really wild painting. So <laughs> They're having a good time for themselves. Yeah, well, the good news is they're getting better and more accurate, you know. But when you have uh, satellites flying around, you know, in space to help depict where your property and my property join, it's like, wow, really? I just want to know where to cut the grass. <laughs> you want to know whose grass you're cutting with, yeah. right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Larry. Thank you. Have a very... Merry Christmas. Thank you. God bless you, too, buddy. Bye now. Home Improvement, Josh and Scott, we're having maybe a little more fun than we should, but, you know, I don't know, two guys in a room by ourselves on a nice day. We do have windows. So far, so good. Holidays, Santa, you know, getting the sleigh rebuilt. Uh, maybe, uh, sorry, just more coffee than we should. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah, the Internet of Things, Wi-Fi, all those goodies. How would you like to have your refrigerator talking to your microwave, talking to the front door, talking to your phone, opening your garage door? I know that sounds really weird, but you can come in, open that overhead garage door, have your lights go on. You can actually start the, the coffee pot if you want and the music come on. So all that stuff has the power to coordinate. takes a little bit of bandwidth to pay attention to all that stuff, but it's all possible today. Um, Josh, you ready to go to the phones again? Let's get on it. Let's do it. Let's go to J.D. Hey, J.D., we got SM and J.D. here. How can we help? Hey, gentlemen. Thank you for the service. Uh, just a quick question I had about a vaulted ceiling. Uh, I have a home built in 2004. Uh, we purchased the home in 2014, and, uh, you know, during the inspection, what we noticed was uh, in that vaulted ceiling in the living room, there's just some faint uh, dark lines that kind of emerge from where the wall meets the, the ceiling and kind of proceed up the vaulted ceiling. And you know, the, the inspector didn't have too much to say about it, and the uh, realtor said that it might have been just a uh, product of the previous owners, like, burning candles. And in the four years that we've had the house we burned candles as well and the lines don't seem to be getting any worse but just wonder if that's something that you all had seen uh previously it could be uh, i guess an indicator of a roof problem or or something more serious um well it, yeah we've seen it a lot uh we talked about it before we even got on um it, it's probably condensation uh the good news is uh you're not alone there are a lot of people like this is it on an exterior wall jd uh yes okay um, at the top of the wall, there are double plates, meaning two two-by-fours stacked on top of the top of the wall. So the, long and the short before I get you down into the weeds, you have a whole bunch of wood up there that is functionally uninsulated or it is one of the less insulated points uh, on your wall because down in the middle of the wall panels, you have a whole bunch of insulation interrupted by uh, wall studs that are up and down. So sometimes when you get a lot of uh, uh, candles in a house, uh, you might get those wall studs uh, showing those vertical lines as well. But it's very common up at the top wall, especially on vaulted uh, uh, trusses, 
where it, it's just colder than normal or warmer than normal, and it happens twice a year. And Josh and I were just talking about an appointment he was on this week with a friend of mine, frankly. Um, and it's, you know, in the wintertime, that wood is really cold and all the air inside the house is warm and moist, and it hits that cold wall, drywall, but it, there's just wood behind it, so it's an R2. You know, it's basically like a piece of glass, a little better. And then in the summertime, you've got the inside drywall that is the cold surface, and then the dry the wood on the outside gets a lot warmer there, so you can have condensation there too. So, uh, you know, Josh, anything more you want to add to this? There's a whole bunch to go. I mean, we can keep going. We've only got about 40 seconds, so. Uh, yeah, pretty much. When you say vaulted ceiling, the image that pops in my head is a two-story vault that may not have been painted since the day it was put up. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years of, you know, the, that cycle of condensation and even just picking up the tiny, tiny particulate of, like, soot and just that, that condensation catching it can start leaving that shadow. And it's not necessarily yeah. a problem. It's, it, you can probably just run it over with some paint and be fine. Uh, but it is caused by that condensation and, and the combination of what's floating around in the air. And it will come back. You know, if you paint yep. it, it will come back. Yep. Yep. Well, I appreciate all the information, gentlemen. Hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and a nice New Year, too. You, too. Thank you. Do the same. Thank you. All right. Bye yep. now. All right, Josh. One under our belt here on ghosting.